Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we are talking about persecution. Yeah. That's an easy one. That's <laughs> oh, so easy. I was yes, way yes. too happy when I said it. And we're talking about persecution. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's a real thing. It really is. Uh, we, we've looked at it, like, historically, but... Uh, Part of what we want to talk about is what is actually even going on today. Yes. Um, which is interesting. Um, and may- maybe that's where we start. Yeah. The world yeah. today, because that's easy. We can all relate to that. We can all talk about the world today. We can, and yet I think that most American Christians really don't have a, a concept of what real persecution is. Which is why we're doing this. Right. <laughs> so I've heard people say that now, they are being persecuted. Pause. Okay. I do think there is a level of persecution on Christians in the United States of America today. Fair enough. It is not at its peak at all. And it's not martyrdom, which is a big part of what we do want to talk about. Correct. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to hijack yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a worthwhile point. People use the word persecution. Uh, it, it seems to me that people use the word persecution to talk about, yes, yeah, so-and-so didn't agree with me, I'm being persecuted. And that is not at all what persecution is. Which we have to be very, very careful on using the word persecution. Um, because, I mean, persecution is basically like, eh, I don't want to say it's systematic, but in a lot of places it is. And when it gets to at its worst, it becomes systematic. But it's when you have groups of people hating you for, yeah, for what yeah, you believe. Yeah. And then that can turn into violence or that can turn into terrible outcomes for you um, or you being treated as a second-class citizen or not a citizen at all. Those things start to happen in the world of persecution. But like Randy said, we got to be careful with just pointing and calling out persecution when somebody just disagrees with us because – I mean, as somebody who sits on more of the right side of the spectrum politically, I see a lot of, like, ultra-left-leaning people that anytime somebody doesn't agree with them, they say that that's hate speech or that they're hating them or whatever. And I don't want somebody – I want to use just scales here. If somebody is not agreeing with me because I'm a Christian, that's fine. You have that right. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're persecuting me. That's In the same way that if I disagree with them for their worldviews – I'm not persecuting them. I'm just speaking truth into their life. And so they shouldn't hate me, and I shouldn't hate right, them. Right. Um, we can disagree. And I guess I want to promote that as much as possible here. Right, right, right. So would actual legitimate hate speech be persecution? Legitimate hate speech? Legitimate, Absolutely. yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. But what is hate speech? Yeah, Like valid point. Like, I mean, if you're... Okay. I, so I, I want to actually I want to walk backwards on that. I don't know necessarily what hate speech is, so I don't want to speak into this too much because I don't know how to how to necessarily talk about that. And I think for a lot of people, it is what they define it as. So it's, some it's definitions subjective. of hate speech is not necessarily another person's. Let's let's put a pin in that and let's come back and talk about hate speech sometime. Okay. Because I would be curious to know yeah, where a, the government stands, like what is the textbook definition of hate speech. Um, yeah, and that's something that we haven't prepared for this podcast. Exactly. I don't want – because I would just be taking a guess at that. But right. but if you are being violent towards somebody, if you are – I mean physically oh, violent, yeah. if you are taking away their rights, if you are uh, – I don't know – Putting them in a situation where they can't thrive, like like governments, I right, guess I'm thinking right. you couldn't really do that so much on an individual basis. But those are that is persecution. There are individuals that are being abused, right? And that is certainly a form of persecution. That's not systemic persecution, right? That's the persecution of an individual, of a, right. of, a of of someone somewhere, not of a class of people like Christians right. or like. Whatever Asian, yeah, and, and we got to be careful there too. Like that's there's so much nuance here because like then you get into like the the cake debate, right? Like where you had the uh, 
the homosexual couple trying to get married oh, yeah. go into the bakery and they want a cake baked for them. The guy refuses and they call out, well, no, that's that you're, you're persecuting us due to our, well, I'm not, I mean, I'm right. using the yeah, word yeah, persecution yeah. loosely, but basically you're refusing to do this. This is our right. And it's like, well, no, every business has the right to refuse business to somebody. Right. But when an entire country of businesses refuse to give service to somebody, that's, that's different. Systemic. Right. 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 That's systemic. So back to kind of the issue that we're looking at, um, um, some Christians may uh, inappropriately classify what's happening to them as persecution. It might be useful to kind of go back and take a look at what the word persecution actually means. And there are two words in the New Testament. One is the family of words that revolves around persecute, persecution. And the other is the family of words that revolve around martyr, which is really interesting when you look at it. So let's start with persecute and persecution. There uh, is a verb, persecute. That is not the only way it's translated. The word occurs 45 times in uh, the New Testament. About 12 of those times, it's actually used in a positive sense. Paul says, I, let's see, it's, it's Philippians 3, verses 12 and 14, where he uses the word that in other places translated persecution uh, in a positive sense. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And then a couple of verses later, he says, I press on. That word pressing on is this word, persecution. Hmm. What it means is you are pursuing something. You are intentionally going out and trying to get something. So in a positive way, Paul can say, I have a goal in life. I pursue that goal. That's positive. Now, the other 32 times, 33 times, it's used in a negative sense. And it kind of vacillates between being translated pursue and being translated persecute. But it's the very same word. So Jesus, in John chapter 15, 12 times in the Gospels, Jesus talks says to his disciples, anticipate persecution. Jesus in John 15, 20 says, since they persecuted me, naturally, they would persecute you. If they would have listened to me, they would listen to you. So here, persecution is used in a negative sense. Someone who is now pursuing, actively going out and hounding Jesus, pursuing Jesus, but not in a positive way. Uh, they're looking to do him damage. Nine times in the book of Acts, it's used negatively, and um, most of those is Paul referring to himself, actually. Um, Acts chapter 22, verse 4. Uh, it's it's in one of Paul's speeches, and he says, uh, I persecuted the followers of the way. Most of the times it occurs in Acts, the verb, it's Paul talking about what he did before coming to Christ. And then the rest of the times occurs in, uh, mostly in Pauline epistles, but I think there's one in Hebrews, and once, only once, in Revelation, and it doesn't refer to us. <laughs> it's split about half between Paul talking about what he did before coming to Christ and Paul talking about the church being persecuted. There is also a noun called persecution, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, where just after Stephen 
is stoned, uh, Luke writes and says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Mm. Now that, the persecution caused them to flee, to run, mm -hmm. to, to get out of Dodge because they were being actively pursued by people like Paul. And what was happening is when they were caught, they were put in prison and sometimes put to death. So that's kind of where persecution starts. Um, what, what is where persecution starts? The idea that uh, the activity against me, it's not that I said something and somebody disagreed with me. It's that someone sought me out, said, are you a Christian? And when I said yes, they planned and implemented evil against me. Okay. Whether that's physical beating or, or uh, taking possession of my possessions, hmm. uh, selling that or, or whatever. Right. Uh, a byproduct of this type of persecution is you run. Right. Right. Um, we see it in the book of Acts. Uh, in, in Acts, where is it? I think it's in Acts chapter 11 when uh, Peter is imprisoned. Mm, and the earthquake? Um, yeah, Acts chapter 12. Peter's imprisoned, and the next day they're going to kill him. And uh, an angel appears to him that night. There's a big earthquake. There's a hole in the wall. Peter follows the angel through the hole, but he thinks it's a vision. He gets out in the street, and the angel disappears. He looks around, and he says, this wasn't no vision. <laughs> I'm free. And he goes to the place where the disciples were meeting to pray for him. But at the end of that time, it says, and Peter went to a different place. Very intentionally, Peter fled. Right. He left. Which is biblical. I mean, Jesus says flee from persecutors. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, okay, but by that standard, though, and now, so I'm sorry, we're going to have to do some jumping back and forth to kind of sure. sure. show today versus then. I mean... When you look at things like cancel culture, where it's like, we're going to ruin you because of your beliefs. Yeah. That's persecution. That's persecution. That's why we're putting such a foot down on, on cancel culture. Like, my big thing, like, if you, if you want to say that abortion is good, you're allowed to say that. You're yeah. allowed to say that. Yeah. I by disagree. U.S. law. I, by U.S. law. I disagree. You're wrong. It's not okay. It's murder. It's bad, right? But you're allowed to say it. Yeah. I can't then turn around and be like, okay, you're not going to be able to bank here, and you're not going to be able to put up YouTube videos and monetize those anymore, which this is totally getting demonetized because I just said that. Um, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to, to talk on certain news stations or whatever. Like, there is a level of legitimate persecution taking place today and so like maybe it hasn't reached peak like violence or like people getting disrupted and, and moved from their homes or like losing possessions but kind of on some level like you know alex jones love him or hate him from Infowars. half of what he says is crazy some of what he says is very true um he can't bank anywhere in the u.s at least that's what I was reading. Like, there's like two banks left in the U.S. that'll actually accept him because he got canceled. And it's like, dude, what are you gonna do? And I fact check me on that, guys. I'm sorry if that's crazy, but like, I mean, that stuff is happening today on some level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, someone is pursuing him now. Is that persecution? It could be the persecution of an individual, um, merited or not. Uh, someone is systemically seeking out, attempting to do harm to him. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah even if that's just a reputation, you. even even if sure. that's just to get you to the point where you're just like less like subhuman. You well, know? in an industry in which reputation is everything, that's quite a bit of harm. Exactly. That exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Just a thought, food for thought. Now, there's a second word, and it's the Greek word martyrus, uh, or martus. And we get the word martyr from that. The interesting thing about that word is that in Greek, it does not mean someone who dies for his faith. Okay. It occurs. It occurs a lot. The noun form martus and the verb form martureo mean to witness. Ah. This is, at least in the first century, a natural byproduct of witnessing was you were putting your life on the line. You could be killed because of that, because persecution was not only a possibility, Jesus said, expect it. Hmm. Okay. That's so, kind of cool. So, I mean, we're all technically the, martyrs if we witness our, our faith. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's yeah. kind of a fun way of it. I've at never thought of it. At least in the that. Greek sense of the word. Right, right. <laughs> Not in our Americanized version where it just means you died for a cause. But Now, um, in the first century, uh, one of the inter- interesting things is the, the, the great number, the overwhelming number. I, I think it's 10 out of the uh, 12 disciples actually paid with their lives. We're going to be talking about those. Okay, great. Not not all of them, okay. but several. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much so that their death was chronicled. Uh, there is a there's a um, a body of literature called the Apostolic Fathers. Uh, the Apostolic Fathers actually doesn't refer to people as a technical term. It doesn't refer to uh, elders who were apostolic in the first century. It refers to a body of literature that they wrote. The apostolic fathers include people like uh, Barnabas, like uh, Clement of Alexandria, um, uh, others uh, who wrote in the first century, even in some cases they were writing things before John was writing Revelation and into the second century. But many of uh, the things that they wrote include uh, one chapter of their martyrdom. Um, The martyrdom of uh, Barnabas, the martyrdom of uh, Apollonius, I think it is, uh, and and there are others uh, like that. Mm -hmm that the story of their death is chronicled. Uh, None of the stories are these huge, miraculous uh, things. It's a very simple story. So-and-so went uh, to the Colosseum. They said, recant. He said, no. And they turned the lions loose on him. There are a couple wild ones, though. Uh, there are a few, but not in the Apostolic Fathers. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There were some pretty big deaths, though. I mean, they were all pretty, well, not all. There were several, even within, even within like, uh, the original 12. The, yeah, there yeah. were several brutal deaths. So the two that I remember, and I may get the one wrong, but Peter uh, was... Martyred in Rome. Yeah. And when they told him that they were going to crucify him, he begged them to not crucify him like they crucified mm-hmm. Jesus, to do it upside down. Because he didn't deserve to die in the same manner as Christ. Exactly. Um, I, I've heard that. I, I don't know where that comes from. I that That's all I could find on, on how he actually died. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know where that's chronicled from. Um, but... Um, what was it? Oh, that, that, that ties into what Jesus tells Peter though, that one day people are going to come to you and they're going to spread your arms out and they're going to carry you away to where you do not want to go. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that fits, right? 
John is the only one that actually doesn't die a violent death, but even he dies in prison. Yes. Uh, uh, Patmos. On Patmos, yeah. yeah. A prison island, kind of like Devil's Island. Do you want to talk about the old martyrs, like the of, of like back in the day? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it kind of sets the stage, I think, for some of the things that are happening today yeah. and gives us a context to hang things on. Yeah, I, I didn't write them all down, but I wrote down several. Uh, you got John the Baptist. Right out the gate. I mean, he's oh, probably yeah, the first right. one, right? And that's actually recorded in the New Testament. Now, I think if you look at the Roman Catholic Church and a lot of like Christian tradition, they they count the first martyrs as the uh, the children at Bethlehem that were killed innocently. Interesting. I didn't know that. Which, okay. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know how to right, right, right. lump that in, right? But John the Baptist would probably be. Oh, yeah. The first willing Christian sacrifice. Follower of Jesus, right. very definitely. Right. And he died for what he said. Exactly. Um, Stephen, stoned to death. True, yeah. Um, he Now, he is, I think they call him the the pre-martyr or like the... Oh, okay. But he, he's kind of considered like the first. The first. Because he is the first after Jesus. True. Well, at yeah. least recorded, right? Um, uh, it, may might say, even say it may say he's the first, he's the first. Yeah. Um, but yeah he's stoned to death for preaching the gospel at the synagogues and uh, Saul of Tarsus later converted to Paul the apostle um, participates in the stoning right, of Stephen right. he holds the coats for the people while they, while they stone Stephen to death um, and Stephen looks up and and he, he even like sees into heaven right before yes. he dies, and it says, "And then he fell asleep." And right, I love that. Right, That's beautiful. Right. That it, he didn't die; he fell he asleep. Fell asleep because um, he's going to wake up. Exactly. <laughs> uh, James, son of Zebedee. Right. James um, and John, the two brothers. Mm -hmm. James, he's the first of the twelve. And let me die. say, I did not write down all twelve. I just wrote down That's a few. Fine. I because we'd be here forever. Oh yeah. Um, well. There's a whole book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Sitting it's on like, my desk right it's now. It's like 400 pages. Well, so. it goes into... it's the Oh, it goes all the way up into the Reformation yeah. and even beyond. It's a lot. Yeah. It's very cool, though. Um, so James, son of Zebedee. Um, so he was... Well, legend has it that he was beheaded at the hands of Herod Agrippa. Okay. That okay. he actually killed him himself. I don't know how true that is, but that is tradition of the church. I think that his death is recorded. The fact that he died is recorded mm -hmm. in Scripture somewhere, but I don't remember where. Well, what you get so often, and we've talked about this before with like intertestamental literature and things, where people go back and fill in the blanks on history that, <laughs> yeah, they, do. that they don't actually know. So I, I worry with a couple of these that are kind of less recorded, yes. that maybe that through tradition... Things have been added or taken away. Regardless, he was killed the, for believing in Jesus Christ. The fact of the martyrdom is probably true. The, the way it happened, the circumstances exactly. could be exaggerated. Fishtail kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. The big fishtail, right? Um, James, Jesus's brother, he's thrown from the top of the temple and beaten to death with a club. Oh, wow. I didn't that know that. That was one of those where I was like, ooh, I don't know. A couple were brutal, Randy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the temple's And I could big. see that taking place. Oh, it's massive. It says from the top uh, spire. From yeah. From the spire from of the... the pinnacle. Yeah. Of the, uh, which is kind of where it says Satan took Jesus yeah. to yeah. show him all the kingdoms, the kingdoms of the earth, earth right? Yeah. Um, Peter the Apostle, crucified mm -hmm. upside down. Paul the Apostle beheaded. Right, um, right, right. Because he was a Roman citizen. Right. And that was considered a more humane way right. of killing. That Roman citizens did have special treatment over right. the Jews. Justin Martyr beheaded. Would he have also okay. been a Roman citizen? Probably, yeah. That makes sense. Justin is a Latin name, so. Um, Perpetua and Felicity, they were thrown to uh, wild animals. Um, Perpetua was a a uh, young noblewoman. Uh, okay. She was roughly like in her early 20s. Okay. And then uh, Felicity was a pregnant woman. And they were thrown to the wild animals, but they weren't actually killed by the animals, so they took them down and put them to death by the sword. Wow. Um, you've got Ignatius uh, fed to beasts in the Colosseum for yeah. entertainment purposes. Right. Um, because they actually... 
I forget where he was, but he was not in Rome when he was captured. Okay. And so they actually shackled him and transported him to Rome, which is very uncommon. Like, that did not happen. They would generally be put to place where they were arrested. But they took him back to Rome, and so basically they believe that it was upon, like, the Caesar's word to bring him back and be put to death in front of the citizens for entertainment purposes. Um, And so there's a, uh, there's a crazy Ignatius quote. He says, uh, now I begin to be a disciple, let fire and a cross flocks of beasts, broken bones, dismemberment come upon me. So long as I attain to Jesus Christ, because Ignatius, apparently, they, I, I think I'm getting this right. I believe it's Ignatius. Um, they, they were going to save him. They were going to rescue him. And he had a rescue team coming, but he wrote him and said, no, 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 no. I, like, I, I'm already aware. Like, I, I'm going to die. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> let me what? go and let me be, let me be more in this um, rather than if you save me, what, what can I do for the kingdom? But this will do so much more for the kingdom. I believe that's Ignatius, but there's so many Irenaeus and Ignatius, and I hope I'm not getting that mixed up, but I think it is Ignatius that that's the case. Um, and then Polycarp is my favorite. I mean, like, I know that sounds horrible, but, like, this one's wild, okay? So Polycarp is at least 86 years old um, due now- to... This is the one that I think is chronicled in the Epistolic This is chronicled. This is chronicled, and that's why it's so wild. Um, So he's at least 86 years old. Um, The Romans sinned for him to kill him. Um, But when they go to his house, he's not there, but they find two younger men, and they torture them until they tell him where he's at. Well, they go, and they eventually find him. And they get him and they bring him um, before the, uh, what is the word they use? Uh, the, pro- the proconsul. Okay, yeah. And he, uh, the proconsul basically says, look, you're 86. We don't want to kill you. You're an old man. Don't make us do this. Just kneel to Caesar. And Polycarp says, 86 years I have served him, my lord, right? And he's done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And so the proconsul says, we have wild animals. And uh, he says, I'll throw, them, I'll throw you to them if you don't repent. And also, I want to I add this. They're referring to him as an atheist because right. the Romans are polytheists. Right. And so the fact that these Christians only worship one God. And he has no image. And he has no image. They deny <laughs> the deity of all these other gods. And so, so they they're atheists. atheists in the eyes of the Romans. So they're calling him an atheist. Um, but they say, you know, if, if you don't repent, I'll throw you to these animals. Um, Polycarp says, it's unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be changed from evil to righteousness. And they say, well, if you hate the animals, then will have you burned. And he says, you threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and then is extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. (laughs) Dude, that's like some Leonidas stuff, right? (laughs) So they go and they tie him up and they build a fire under him. And they light it on fire. Oh, well, sorry, he's been praying this whole time. He's been praying mm-hmm. to God that mm-hmm. he can serve God with his life. And at the beginning of all this, it's chronicled that all the believers in the Colosseum, and this is chronicled by the survivors, that all the believers there heard a voice say, hold on, what is it? Poly, uh, be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. That's what they hear said, okay? Wow. They couldn't see where the voice came from. They hear this voice, okay? So Polycarp says all this. He prays. They set the wood on fire, and the fire forms a circle around Polycarp that it does not consume him, but it it (laughs) encircles him. And they said they looked inside, and the flesh on him was not the flesh of a burned man, but that he was golden like baking bread 
and that like it was like glowing, like it, like it was beautiful. And they said, and they smelled this sweet incense, like uh, frankincense. And when the Romans realized they couldn't burn him, uh, the proconsul calls for an executioner to come up and kill him. So he walks up and he stabs Polycarp. And when he stabs him, so much blood comes out of Polycarp that it puts out the flames of all the fire underneath him. That is impossible. Like, that amount of blood coming out of a person is unthinkable. Yeah. But it's like this miracle, right? And so they all see it. And so the Roman officials won't give the body over for burial because they're afraid that they'll go worship him after having just seen this. But then the Christians record it. But they knew too little to think that anything could turn us from our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, but it's just like, what? Like, it's wow. so insane. But the, the gumption, like, <laughs> to just... Well, and all of these guys, I mean, they gave their life for the Lord. But that's, but that's the proof of it. And, yeah. and, and what's the quote? Who, who's quoted saying uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church? Yeah, I'm not sure who it was, but uh, I think it was a church out. historian. Uh, but uh, that is so true because the church just began to grow expansively yeah. after that. It's a Tertullian quote. Tertullian, yeah. okay, yep. But yep. Uh, it's true. It's true because... You've got these people, like, here's the thing, and I, I was just thinking about this the other day. The thing that makes the martyrs of the Christian church different, at least the early ones, right? These early apostles dying for Jesus is insane. Because, like, when you look at, like, a jihadist that dies because of their faith in Allah, right? They're putting their faith in something they've been told and believe based on something that happened thousands of years ago, like a book written forever right, ago, right? Right, right. These people that died for Jesus, that knew Jesus, like, they saw him. Like, it's different to have faith in something and believe it because I believe it, but I haven't seen it, therefore I believe it. These guys would have seen it all go down. If it wasn't true, they wouldn't have died for it. Right. They right. would have had nothing to, like... You don't give your life for something that you don't really believe in. Right, right. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a different situation. Someone that dies for something they've never seen versus something someone dies for that they have seen. That sets the standard for all other martyrdom. Wow. Huh. And there have been martyrs all through church history. I mean, oh, it's dude. not just the... Joan of Arc's a big one that comes yeah. up on top sure, of my head. I sure. mean, they murdered her they they raped her and burned her at the stake i mean that's essentially what happened she was an honorable woman and they wanted to make a disgrace of her and uh, yeah the interesting thing about that is uh john hus uh joan of arc had a lot of arguments with the hussites and she wanted permission to go and kill the hussites well they were the followers of john hus who translated scripture uh into french and he was killed for that you have John Wycliffe. You have a number of the reformers actually did end up uh, paying with their life. Mm. And even since then, there have been others on through Scripture, uh, on through Scripture, on through history that have died, and it continues to take place even today. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's never stopped. You even... pulled up some figures on that, didn't you? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yes. So I, the best research I found, uh, or at least the most like centralized spot I found is actually a Christianity Today article. Uh, it's the 50 countries where it's hardest to follow Jesus in 2022. And it's all based on the statistics from Open Door, I believe it is. Let me okay. make sure I got yep, that yep, right. Yep, yep. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, so, hold on a second. Let me get my my table here. All right. So, a thousand more Christians were persecuted in 2021 than 2020. A thousand more were detained. 600 more churches were attacked or closed. Um, Nigeria has four out of five martyrs worldwide. 
China has three out of five Whoa, church attacks. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Four out, out of five, five martyrs, martyrs worldwide. are from Nigeria. We're going to look at Nigeria because it's insane. Okay. Um, China has three out of five church attacks. Um, Afghanistan has now surpassed North Korea as the number one most difficult country to be a follower in uh, of Jesus Christ. Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, last year, and this was a quote. Um, oh, man, did I get Yeah, This is just straight out of the article. Um, last year, for the first time in 29 years of tracking, all 50 nations scored high enough to register very high persecution levels on Open Door's 84-question matrix. This year, all 50 again qualified, as did five more nations that fell just outside the cutoff. They have these 50 kind of watch list countries that gotcha. they look at that have been historically bad places for okay. Christians to look at. But for the first time in 29 years, all of them registered very high in persecution. Wow. Um, and, and some of those, I think, were even in the extremely high. Um, but it was like okay. at least in very high. Um, and so that's all based on an 84-question matrix of, okay, wait, what do you mean by persecution? Um, 360 million Christians live in countries where they face high levels of persecution. So that's one in seven worldwide. That's one in five Christians in Africa. That's two in five in China and one in 15 in Latin America. Holy cow. Yeah. 5,898 Christians were killed for their faith. Of that 5,898... Nigeria accounted for 79% of the total. Pakistan at 11%. It seems that the most common form of higher extreme persecution, though, is this uh, displacement from the home or the loss of possessions. Yeah. Uh, but assault, sexual assault, and imprisonment, uh, they all sit on the list as well. And they've actually got it divvied up here where you can see... Um, by category, and real quick, uh, so Open Doors categorizes the primary sources for Christian persecution into eight groups. There's Islamic oppression, dictatorial uh, paranoia, communist and post-communist oppression, religious nationalism, organized crime and corruption, Christian denominational protectionism, and uh, secular intolerance, and clan oppression. Um, but if we look here, it says, based on the 70-plus countries tallied by Open Doors research for the 2022 World Watch List, um, these are the categories and the number of Christians in those categories. Christians killed for faith-related reasons, 5,898. Churches and other Christian buildings attacked, 5,110. Christians abducted for faith-related reasons, 3,829. Christians detained for their faith. 4,765. Christians sentenced for their faith, 1,410. Christians raped or sexually harassed for faith-related reasons, 3,147. Forced marriages of Christians to non-Christians, 1,588. Christians physically or mentally abused for faith-related reasons, 24,678. Houses of Christians attacked, 4,543. Businesses of Christians attacked, 1,906. Christians forced to leave their homes or to go into hiding, 218,709. 218,000. Dude, think of Myanmar. Yeah. Look around yeah, us, that's man. That's true. That's I true. I mean, in our community, look at the Chin population. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. And most of them have fled because of religious exactly. persecution. Exactly. Christians forced to leave their country for faith-related reasons, 25,038. One of the things that I heard was that um, there have been more martyrs in our lifetime than there have been in all of history prior to our lifetime. Well, well think how many people don't have their story written down. Yeah. With yeah. Who, who approached martyrdom in probably the same way as so many people that we, you know, hold near and dear to our hearts as these, you know, heroic faith stories. I mean, that happens every day. So, several years ago, I was with OMS. This is probably, uh, it's been within the last 20 years. Uh, I was uh, uh, in, a, in a position that caused me to travel quite a bit. 
one of the places I would go on a, a pretty much an annual basis was to India. I don't know if India is on your uh, list. I yeah, would assume it is. No, it's okay. Um, what I would do there, it's, I would It's go the last there. one on the list. Okay. Yeah. I would go there to uh, uh, be present for the annual reports. And what they did was uh, a group of about... Oh, Jiminy, there, there must have been a thousand of us would come together. It was a privilege for an Indian pastor to be invited uh, to this gathering. Uh, the church itself had several thousand. The denomination had several thousand churches. And uh, there was about a thousand meeting in a, in a room that would hold about 500. And they packed a thousand people in there. Uh, we were fed in a cafeteria that would hold about 200 and they would feed a thousand in about an hour. Uh, they, everybody would sit on one side of the table and the servers would roll this paper cloth uh, and then they'd put banana leaves in front of you. They'd come by and it was like clockwork. They'd put sauce, meat, uh, vegetables, whatever, and you would eat with your hands, no no uh, uh, utensils or anything like that. And you had about 10 minutes, and when they were done, they would take that paper cloth, and they'd roll it up, throw it away, put the next one down. You got out of the way. The next group of people came in. Listening, um, one of the Bible seminaries gave a report on the students that they had, how many were graduating. And I heard one of the Bible seminaries say, and student so-and-so didn't return after Christmas break. He died of jaundice. And I thought, what in the world? I know what jaundice is. It's not a medical condition. It's a description. You kind of turn yellow, and, and there's a, a you go out in the sun. and, and uh, But I didn't say anything. I was sitting by a missionary. I didn't say anything to him. About an hour later, another school uh, was reporting, and student so-and-so didn't return after Christmas break. Uh, he died of jaundice at home. And I, two. So I leaned over to the missionary sitting by me, and I said, what in the world is this? They died of jaundice. And the missionary said, those two students are from the same family. It's a high Buddhist Brahmin family. They both went home over the Christmas break and their father, instead of seeing two of his sons go into the pastorate, he poisoned them and they died. He killed his own sons so they wouldn't become pastors. Martyrdom still happens today. 100%. That's awful. It was sobering. I mean, here are, here are guys... They knew their dad. They knew what the possibilities were. And yet they said, hey, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I mean, that's if, if you leave Islam today in an Islamist country, you're at least going to be done away with. Like the, you, they'll have nothing to do with you. At worst, put to death. So you mentioned Nigeria, and I know that there is a band. Uh, South Africa is predominantly Christian. Above a certain line, it's predominantly Muslim. And there is this band that kind of runs across straight through the middle of Nigeria. And I forget what they call it. Uh, missiology has a definite term for it. Uh, the, the, the border states, or I'm, I'm not totally sure what, what it's called, but... Uh, it's where Christians and Muslims are vying for control. And I know a lot of persecution happens in those, in those areas, in those countries. Um, of, the, <clears throat> of the 50 countries, 35 have Islam as a main religion, four have Buddhism, two have Hinduism, one is atheist, uh, one is agnostic, and 10 have Christianity, actually. Um, and so I don't want to, like, call it out and say 
that uh, that it's you know the Islamic Islamic countries that are you know the worst. I mean, by those numbers, they are, but people are also dying in Christian countries. Yeah, you know, so it's like we can't just point the finger and be like, oh, it's an Islamic country that's bad. No, it's like it's happening in Christian nations. Bottom line is, it's it's a sin problem. It's a sin problem, one hundred percent. If you look at the the top ten. Uh, countries where it's hardest to follow Jesus, it's Afghanistan, North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, Eritrea, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, and India. And then if you look at the top 10 where it's the most violent, it's Nigeria, Pakistan, India, Central African Republic, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mozambique, Cameroon, Afghanistan, Mali, and South Sudan. You were talking about India. Um, I was listening. I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. I listened to a lot. (laughs) But um, they were talking to a guy from... What podcast was that? They were talking to a guy um, who was serving as a uh, missionary in India. And he was just talking about how many times he'd been beaten up in the streets for just like he was a street preacher that's what he would do he would stand down there and he would just tell people to repent of their sins turn to the lord jesus but he would do it in in uh in their language and uh yeah i mean several times he was beaten in the streets um i guess he like ran into the street and was grabbing at cars trying to get help and nobody would stop and help him they just let it happen um that's scary because like part part of why we're doing this podcast is because on one hand I look at Christians that are shouting how persecuted we are, and I roll my eyes because we're not, not not on not, that level, not like this, not like not, this, not, this, not like this. And in the same breath, it's like if where we're at goes unchecked, we'll be here in no time. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the tightrope walk, right? right? Like it's like, look, we don't need to be shouting persecution every time somebody upsets us. Um, and it's crazy too, right? But because we don't need to turn our heads and look the other way. It, exactly, it's, because like we we do live in a world where like immorality thrives in our nation today. Where look, it probably did fifty years ago too. We just didn't talk about it like we do now. I mean, that's that's the big thing. But the acceptance rate of immorality today, and that's the issue, is what's freaking people yeah. out. And I yeah. totally get it. And the reason we didn't scared. talk about it fifty years ago is because it was generally recognized to be bad it was evil right and it's no longer evil and there's so many things like that today where it's yeah. just it's just okay do what thou will which is really funny because that is the coining phrase of satanism that's like their motto <laughs> do what thou will just do what you want um but it we got to do something we got we got to put our foot down and and like start being the people of god out in the world and changing the world um I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I know we're all trying, right? We're right. all trying to follow Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to say all, yeah. but well, but God's people, His His yeah. His people, the people that are really sold out for Jesus, we're trying. The, Here in the, the states, people that are listening to this podcast probably are. You know, they're trying exactly. Um, but like here in the states, with where things are currently, are we pushing back? in the ways of Christ as much as the world is pushing back at us with the ways of the world? I don't think so. That is my challenge to anybody listening right now. So you want to talk about that for a little bit? I think we should. What do you think we need to be doing? I, I think we need to not be scared to be Christians. And I think we're scared to be Christians. I think we're, I think, on some level, like, like our jobs. I'm lucky. I work here. Yeah. I work at a church. I can talk about Jesus whenever I want. Right. Some people Fact, may not be able to do that. You'll get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I don't know that that's always the case. Right. Um, I worked in a barbershop run by a Muslim guy. Right. And I talked about Jesus every single day to my clients on some level. I wasn't exactly just like shouting for like revival but at the same time like he knew where i stood he knew what i believed he heard me all the time and you know what 
there were a couple times where he was like, hey, man, maybe, like, we shouldn't talk about that with people. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I kept doing it. <laughs> and, like, he just never stopped me. Right. Because I'm going to do that. Yeah. You can fire me. That's fine. I'll go work somewhere where I can do that. You know what I mean? Um, but I think we, we think, like, oh, man, well, you know, I got to have this job at this place. And I know if I talked about Jesus, then I'd get fired. Well, Jesus kind of calls you to do that anyways. Um, and I'm not saying go get fired from your job, but I'm also saying if you put the faith in Jesus that you're going to talk about Jesus, he's going to provide for you. Uh, in in uh, the book that I'm reviewing uh, separately on the Soul Saint uh, uh, channel uh, called Every Square Inch, uh, he, he makes that point. Uh, we need to find ways to meaningfully engage with people. The problem is if we decide to use insider language, yeah, uh, it doesn't communicate. It just no. makes people mad. Um, if we find legitimate, meaningful, reasonable ways to talk to people about our beliefs, right? Uh, there are very few people that would shut us down. Right. I mean, if we just look at somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus, that doesn't know Jesus, and we start talking to them about communion, they're going to be like, what yeah. are you talking about? But Jesus was the kind of person that went and, and, and had actual interactions with people where they were in their lives. The, the Bible works that way for people. We can see somebody through any part of life with Scripture, with the truth. You know, I can't, I can't help but think of the podcast that you did with Bob, who uh, I think was on the podcast, or maybe it was separately. He told us the story of uh, a fellow that he went and he visited in the hospital by mistake, and the guy was uh, atheist or agnostic, but... When Bob identified himself as a chaplain, uh, the guy said, "Oh, I don't want you here. I, I, I don't. I didn't ask for a chaplain. I, I really don't want you here." And Bob said, "Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll leave." And the guy said, "You wouldn't want to hear my story anyway." And Bob said, "Well, try me." Said, what do you mean? Said, Tell me your story. And after a half hour, Bob finally left. And when he left, the guy said. Uh, if you want to come back tomorrow, that'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and for like a week, he visited that guy and talked to him. But at the start, it was all, oh, no, I don't want that. And just because Christians are genuinely concerned for other people, yeah, Dude, it opens the door. I had the same thing happen to me on some level. And I know, I think I've talked about it on here before, but um, I was... I was at a bar. I play, and I, I, I don't really play in a band much right now, but I have in the past, and we play a lot of bar shows. Yeah. And so I'm sitting in a bar, drinking a beer, hanging out, and there's this dude sitting next to me who I went to high school with, <clears throat> but I haven't seen him in years. And we get talking, and he's like, "So what are you doing now?" And I was like, "Oh, well, I work at a church, you know, and I was doing the music here at the time." And he was like, "Oh, well, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't probably want to have anything to do with somebody like me then." I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I worship the Nordic gods. And I was like, okay. And he, and he was like, what do you mean okay? And I was like, like I, I get that. I don't know why that would mean I wouldn't want to talk to you. Like, I wouldn't want to have a conversation with you and chill here. And he was like, well, don't you think that's all stupid? And I was like, well, I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's stupid. I, I, I think you definitely are worshiping something. There's something there, yeah. I, I don't believe that they're God. I don't believe that. I, I said, my God made those gods. So I, I believe that. Um, I said, so so no, I, I don't think you're stupid. I, I don't think you're right, though. And we had a conversation. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. like why, can't we, why can't we get past the fear? We can legitimately interact. We can have a conversation, and that's what most of this is about. Right, and here's the deal. For those people where I'm like, oh, you know, your, your job's at stake, I'm not telling you, go, like, stand with a sign in the hall and tell people they're going to hell. Right. But, like, if we can't even level with people on a one-to-one -one basis, like our coworkers, and be like, what's going on? How's life? And then they start to open up to us, and we'd be like, yeah, I went through something like that, but, you know, like, God saw me through it, and, like, actually talk with real life advice, with real trying to help, I don't think you're going to upset people. I really don't. One of the places that um, uh, this commonly happens are in schools. And I've heard teachers say, oh, I can't mention Jesus. 
But then I heard, actually it was a school administrator say, if the student initiates the conversation, you can say pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So if the student comes to you and says, hey, I know you're a Christian, what do you believe about? Now that's go? that's their policy. I mean, that's government. You know, True. that's a that's True. a school. I get that, and every company is different. And so, understand, we're not saying there's a one size fits all. Maybe you can't talk about Jesus at work. Right. Maybe you're in a situation where you absolutely can't. But where can you? Exactly. How can you? Because exactly. you can somehow. Right. So if you right. can at work, are you going to take time to go out and meet people in public and actually have meaningful conversations, right. or talk with your family, or talk with your friends, or talk with, you know what I mean? Like I'm saying, like we're all. I feel like so many of us are just trying to keep our heads down and not get in trouble right now because we're living in cancel world. And I get it, dude. I totally get it. But, like, we got to – there's people dying, yeah. dying all yeah. over this world right now, being raped, being uprooted from their homes, losing everything they own. I mean, people are getting canceled in our country, but it's worse other places. I guess what I'm saying is we cannot stop – working for the kingdom out of fear right, right. because that is not a privilege that has been given to us right. jesus never gives us that out that is not for us um and then and then sorry one more the one that i hear so often and it's from so many well-meaning god-loving good christian people is well i just can't wait for jesus to come back <laughs> Jesus just needs to come back and take care of all this. We don't know when that's going to be. We have no idea. Jesus said in his humanity, he didn't know when right. that's going to be. Now, in Nobody his deity, knows. he knew when that was going right. to be. But in his humanity, he didn't even. And so that's not an option either to just be like, well, I'm just going to give up. This out. is all way yeah. too confusing and way too difficult. So I'm just going to walk away because I'm just tired of dealing with all these crazy people. Jesus is just going to have to fix this himself. That is not what we've been called to. We cannot do that. That's right. wrong. Right, right. And it, I get why it sounds good, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. If we say that to say, and I'm going to hole up in a bomb shelter until that happens, you oh. know, that's definitely not What's the, the quote? Not the that, that churches always either become... Either bomb shelters or the ultimate fighting church. That's in the, that's in the book you're reading right <laughs> now, right? That's in that book, yeah. Yeah, that we either go, we either hole up and hide, or we right. go super aggro. We just go and, aggressive and as can aggressive be. as anything, and neither one of those extremes moves the kingdom of God forward. No, because if you're if you're hiding, it's all grace. Exactly. If you're fighting, it's all truth. Right. Jesus called us to truth. And right. grace. It is a perfect marriage of those two ideas. Are people still going to hate you if you do it? Yeah, some are. Probably. Maybe a lot. Yeah. Maybe all of them. We're, we don't know. That's the gamble we got to make. Jesus actually told us, uh, he, he told his disciples, you will be persecuted. He did not say go and hide. And he didn't say uh, go nuclear. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, uh, when you open your mouth, the spirit will fill it. <laughs> there's, there's another quote. I forget who I heard say this, but I love it. It was uh, the reason the person was the reason we know that there aren't as many good pastors today is nobody's trying to kill ours. Nobody's trying to kill our pastors. If, if, if more people were trying to kill our pastors, we'd know we were preaching the gospel right. I like that. I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> but like, it's kind of true, though, because I mean, that's what Jesus said. If you're my disciple, you're going to be persecuted. Why aren't we facing, why, why aren't people madder at our pastors today? Yeah. Rather, they're just like, oh, they're nice. It's like, I mean, are we really, are we really digging in in the way we need to into yeah. the hard truths yeah. Of, yeah. of Scripture and stuff? We've been trying to make leaps and bounds here, doing that here at New Hope. And man, it's hard. Oh, man. And it makes me sad because yeah. then I have to be the bearer of bad news all the time. But it's like the Bible's <laughs> kind of full of it. So like, what are we going to do? And it's also full of a whole lot of good news. But look, guys, if you're listening to this, please be encouraged. I know that this was like a lot and that you can take it and run with it a lot of different ways. But it's like people are persecuted all over the world. We face some of that here in America. Let's stop it before it gets worse. But at the same time, 
let's go preach the gospel, which technically invites persecution into our lives because that's what Jesus tells us. So, like, I don't have an answer. Uh, I just know what Jesus told us to do, and that's to go make disciples of every nation. And the only way to do that's by telling them about Jesus. So, yep. You got anything for me? Yeah. That's it. Listen up, everybody. Thank you for uh, listening to this episode, but I do want to say if you have not checked out our YouTube channel, Salty Saints is a YouTube channel now, um, go check that out. Um, it's a little blue icon. It's not the same icon as the podcast. It's uh, it's a black little circle with a blue and white, I believe, Salty Saints. So. just says Salty Saints. Um, not to be confused with another Salty Saints channel with a white background and a little green road sign road sign on it not, not that's, the road sign. that's not us don't click that one don't click that one click ours um and i mean you can click that one too i guess but you should click ours too follow us um give us a like give us a follow and until next time stay salty hey ted what do you want to do today well ashley i've always got uh, work to do naps to take but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.